Amen. If you guys will be seated, man, I want to uh, thank everyone again for allowing Angie and I to be off. And Andrew did a wonderful job. Is he here today? I've listened to it already. He did a wonderful job last week. I want to thank him. And, and uh, I am so proud of Bowen. I mean, he is around. You wonder sometimes where this comes from. But Bowen's just around us. So he hears it. He hears it at home. He's, he hears it here. He hears it from the, you know, at the band and, and the teachers in the back. And, and you know, it's kind of like toothpaste, you know. You squeeze it, that's what's going to come out. And what's going to come out of him is the gospel. You know, it's, it's the armor of God. And I'm so, so proud of it. I, I really am. Uh, and can't wait to hear it again in the second service. Guys, if you take out your outlines, we're going to, we're going to pick up on this uh, rethinking your life. I'm kind of just now finishing up the introductory. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about uh, I made five points in the, uh, of, of pillars of truth. The first was my thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. We can do that. Any change I want in my life must start in my mind. Then I can change how I feel by changing how I think. Every behavior is based on a belief. Anytime I sin at that moment, I am believing a lie. Now, I won't go back into those, but you can pick. You can go to uh, go to Facebook or website somewhere, and you can listen to it on on a podcast. and And I hope you enjoy it. But as we look at um, those first five, I did think was, you know, why is it when we know what the hook is? And we know what the bait is, and we still buy it. We still do it. I'm going to tell you why. Because you and I are in a battle, and we're fighting against spiritual powers, not human beings. Spiritual powers that are coming against you and I. Which leads us into the, the sixth pillar of truth. An unseen war is going on in and for my mind. In and for my mind. It may be an invisible war, but it's a real war. It's a real war. It's a brutal war. And it's a constant war. The enemy, the defeated one, whatever you call him, Satan is after your mind every day. Every day. You know, I would even suggest that sometimes, I'm going to tell you this, sometimes we as Christians get a little too casual about our walk. We get a too lackadaisical. We get up in the morning, instead of putting on those, those, those feet that Bowen just told you about, we put on spiritual flip-flops. He just told us what we need to be shod with. But in our casualness, we put on flip-flops and we stroll the cruise ship to heaven completely oblivious to this war. What I found out is, 
is Christianity is, is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship, and we're at war. We're at war. Bowen just told you about it. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. And he's going after our minds. Our minds. True story. Lady had a, a boa constrictor. Pet boa constrictor. And it stopped eating. She took it to my mind, my mind went through. She done lost her mind anyway. <laughs> but she took this boa constrictor to the vet. She said, my snake won't eat. And it's a true story, guys. And, and he, so the vet started taking notes. You got to ask the owner about the pet. He said, where, is the boa, where, is the, uh, where do you keep the boa? She said, in a tank. You know, well, okay. Well, we're at in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But she said, he said, do you take, it, take the boa out? I think you're supposed to take the snake out and, you know, spend time with it. I'll hold it at the end of the 12 gauge, all right? <laughs> but anyway, she took the, take the boa out and you spend time with it. She said, yeah, I even let the boa sleep with me sometimes. <laughs> He's a nut. But, but, and he said, well, tell me about that. She said, what do you mean? He said, does the snake, snake sleep curled up? And she said, no, lately it stretches out beside me. I wake up and the snake is stretched out. He said, really? He said, honey, what that snake is doing is starving itself and he's sizing you up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what he was doing. That snake plans to eat you. He's sizing you up. Mm -mm -mm. The snake is a snake. The <laughs> and I say all that to say this. The devil is the devil and he will eat you. He's sizing you up to destroy you. And to destroy your witness. He's sizing you up to destroy your relationships, your marriages, your influence, your future. He's sizing you up. And we're putting on flip-flops. He wants to render your life and my life ineffective. So that we won't win anybody for Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. He's smooth. He's seductive. He uses jealousy, envy, comparison, fear. I'm going to tell you, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is you got to know that the devil has an all-out assault on your mind. And it's not just an external war either, but it's an internal war on your mind. Look at Romans 7. It seems to be a fact of life that while I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. 
I want to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin inside of me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Guys, we all identify this. We know what to do, but sometimes, sometimes we still have the urge to do what is wrong. We're not supposed to cheat on the test, but we got to pass. We know it's not right to throw our co-worker under the bus to get the promotion, but we could use the money. It's wrong to yell at your wife, but I really don't like her right now. We know what it is to do the right thing at the moment. But we feel like we're controlled. We feel like we're enslaved to sin. But I'm going to tell you some good news with all that bad news. God has given you and me everything we need to win this war. Everything to win this war and to defeat the enemy. To defeat it. Which leads us to the seventh pillar of truth. To win this battle in and for my mind, I must have God's spirit and God's word inside of me. I must have those two things. Because if I depend on my own personal power and energy to handle this thing, I'm going to lose. You will never win with your own strength against the enemy. You will never win. You're going to lose because the enemy is powerful. You actually have a, a three enemies. I call it the unholy trinity. You have the world, you have the flesh, and you have the devil. The world is the culture around you. The, the flesh is your old sin nature inside you. And then you have Satan that's coming against you. It's the unholy trinity. You can't fight it by yourself. You've got to have what Bowen has described to you. You need two key weapons, though. You need God's Spirit inside you and God's Word in you. What did Bowen call it? The Word said the sword. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, I love that verse, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't fight with politics. Our enemies got some, got some, got some strongholds. The, the, uh, one translation calls it the strong places. These are the struggles the, in, in your mind. What are the strongholds in your mind? Some of that crap that you won't let go of. That hurt, that pain, those habits, some sort of mental block, a lie that you believe is a stronghold. It might be a false thing that you believe about yourself. It might be a false thing that the world has taught you. It might be a false thing about God, your past, your future. It may be a false thing about your worth. There's lots of false things that you believe. 
They are strongholds. They are worldviews, materialism, secularism. I got attitudes that we hold on to, envy, resentment, pride, self-pity. All these are strongholds that get built up in your mind. Rebel, I thought. Capture. Capture. I love what one translation says. Capture. It says, our mind rebels. I'm going to tell you what, our mind doesn't always do what we tell it to do. Amen? Our mind don't mind. Amen? It don't always obey you. Sometimes your mind's got a mind of its own. I'm going to tell you the reason why I like to pray out loud, the reason why I like to write it down, because when I pray silently, my prayers stray. My thoughts stray. Yours may not. You may be a lot better prayer than I am, but I have to say them out loud. Because if I pray them silently, I'm sitting there thinking about the grocery bill at the diner and everything else, but I got to pray it out loud. And when when I want to sit and ponder, I love to sit and ponder. But sometimes when I sit and ponder, my mind wanders. But this verse says we capture them. It means we take them prisoner. It means we bring our thoughts under control. We're going to talk about this more in, in this series. But, but I love that, you know, take them captive. We make, what that says, we make our thoughts give up. They're going, they're going to surrender. We're going to bring them into submission. And we do it with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Make your mind, mind. You've heard God's Spirit inside you. Without God's Spirit inside you, man, you're defenseless. Look at Romans 8, 6. Y'all know I love Romans 8. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. That's a death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. There's life and peace. We need the Word of God. Look at John 8. Where am I at? Jesus told the people who had faith in him, if you keep on obeying what I have said, you truly are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will set you free. I love it. Now, it's his word that sets you free. Because this says it's the word that's the truth. You see, nobody wants to use that first part. We always say it's the truth that sets you free. But apart from the word of God, it ain't the truth. It's the truth of the word of God that sets you free. Amen? It's not just the truth. You can tell me that I'm losing my hair. That's the truth, but that ain't going to set me free. It's the word. Did you not hear what Bowen called it? It's the sword. It's the sword of truth. It's the word. That's why Emah is so effective. It's about memory of, of verses. We're going to talk about it some more. Number eight, my goal is to learn to think like Jesus. This is you writing it down. And, and it's my goal, and I pray that it's your goal to think 
like Jesus. He's the model. Jesus is the model for, for healthy thinking. He's the model for, for happy thinking, holy thinking. He's the model. Here's some good news, I think. Jesus understands. He understands the, the mental problems. He understands the fears. He understands the deceptions. He understands the rejection, the conflict, the enemies. You know why? Because he's been there. He's been there. 1 Peter 4.1, it's on the back side of your outline. The message translation says, Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Learn to think like him. Philippians 2.5, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.16, but we have the mind of Christ. we got to learn to think like Jesus. Amen? It's contrary to, to, a, lot of, to a lot of what you've been taught in the world. All right, last one. Rethinking my life to match how Jesus thinks is called repentance. Rethinking my life to match how Jesus thinks is called repentance. Repenting. But you know, when you talk to some folks today, it seems like repentance or, or repenting is, is sort of a negative word. Some people think it's kind of an ugly word, even a violent word. But in this series, I want to try to re recover that word back to a positive, to the beautiful word that it is. And it's absolutely a gorgeous word. But when I say the word repent, a lot of times, a lot of you think you're the, the guy that, that's kind of weird with the sandwich sign. You know, that, that's painted on it, turn or burn. The end is near. You're going to die while the re die and fry while the rest of us fly high. <laughs> repent. Y'all seen no sandwich sign? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They might not say exactly that, but <laughs> that might be Jim's translation, a little loose, loose translation. But it's not a violent word. It's not a violent word. So the world's idea of repentance is wrong. To me, when I look back, on my life, when I look at the big repentance, I call it, in 88, it's the most positive. That's 1988. It was the most transforming word that ever was. It's the secret. Repentance is the secret to everything that you want in life. Happiness, fulfillment. It's a connection with God. It's not some hammer. It's not a word that's to be used to be mean to people. Repent, repent means this. Write this down. To change your mind. It just simply means to change your mind. It doesn't mean to stop doing bad stuff. I know a lot of you are ready to get up and run now because that's what you've been taught. It doesn't mean just to quit doing bad stuff. When you quit doing the bad stuff, that's actually the fruit of repentance. 
Y'all see what I'm talking about? That's just the fruit of changing your mind. It's the fruit of repentance. Repentance is, is just, you were thinking this way, and now you're thinking that way. Guys, it was the most positive change in my life. I used to think, think guilty thoughts. And now I think forgiving thoughts. It's kind of like Tammany told me before I came up, we always say hurt people hurt people. She said, Cheryl on radio over here, she said, forgiving people forgive people. You know, I used to think damnation and discouragement. Now I think life and peace, man. I used to think stress, and now I think security. I changed my mind. I used to think of hell. Now I think of heaven. My mind changed. It's perspective. I used to think of no meaning and, and, and really no, no purpose in life, and, and now that's all I think about is meaning and purpose. That there is. When I repented, when I changed the way that I was thinking, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Best thing. And here's the thing that I wish I could articulate to y'all. But I'm just an old country boy from Rockmart. If I had understood all the benefits of changing my mind about God, I would have done it earlier. I wouldn't have waited till I was 27. I would have done it sooner. To turn from darkness to light, to turn from, from hopeless to hopeful, to change my mind about everything about God. Because now I see him as he really is, a loving father, not a dictator, and not a disciplinarian. I changed my mind about myself. I changed my mind about a lot of what matters in life. I changed my mind about what's valuable. I changed my mind about what's important. I changed my mind about my purpose. I changed my mind about the way I think about a lot of y'all. <laughs> Repentance is a lifestyle. Where more and more I began to think like Christ and less and less about how the world thinks. It's the most positive, most transforming word, and I want to take it back. I want to get it back. It's not something that you yell in anger. I want to tell you this morning God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. 
He loves you unconditionally. And all these benefits come from repentance. Look at Acts 3.19, the Amplified Version. Repent, change your mind, and return back to God so that all your sins may be erased, blotted out and wiped clean, so that times of refreshing, recovering, and reviving may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. There's positive words, refreshment, recovering, reviving. And it comes from repenting. It comes from changing our mind. So I ask you to believe the truth and not the lies. To believe what God says about you and not what everybody else says. Change your mind. If you musicians want to come up, I'm about to wrap it up here. I want to invite you the next few weeks to hang with me. We're going to we're going to rethink our life. Uh, a lot of things uh, that you believe in, and I'll say even I believe, are just, just flat out wrong. And they're self-defeating. They're going to keep us in a self-imposed prison that God doesn't want you in. He don't want you in that. Some of you have let your parents put you in a prison. Some of you have let your partners put you in a prison. Some of you let your peers put you in a prison. Some of you let your friends put you in this self-imposed prison because you started paying attention to what they say instead of what God says. It's time to change your mind. It's time to repent. It's time to rethink your life today. March 1st, that's positive, and it's transforming. They wrote a letter, Paul uh, wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus in Revelation, and Jesus said this, I know what you do, how you work hard and never give up, but I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did first. The verse says, you know, as great as the church as Ephesus was, it was a great church. I mean, Paul set it up. Timothy was the pastor. It's a good church. He said, but you don't love me like you used to. You don't love me like you used to. Guys, I want you to remember something and ask yourself, was there a time that you were closer to God than you are right now? Do you need to change your mind? Today, this is a call to repentance. To remember how you used to love him. to repent, to change your mind, and to return to that love. These three, key, these three things are the key to repentance. Remember, repent, and return. They can revitalize your life. It's how you restore a lost love, a friendship, some sort of relationship. And you know, when you remember, you've got to distinctly forget the bad things. You got to forget the bad things. Change your mind. Act loving. 
return. Just do the stuff you used to. When I think of my faith, I think of Bowen. I was a little older than Bowen when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was on fire. I told all my friends about him, about this man that saved me, and I, I invited everyone to my baptism, all my friends, and he's baptized in a cow pond and McCown's Lake and Rockmart. And I just couldn't quit talking about Jesus for a long time. And I want to repent. I want to return to that way. To that 11-year-old boy. I want to return to his age where falling off a stool won't stop me from spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Time to repent. This is a call to repent for every one of you. This is a way to bring in March. My Lord, thank you. Thank you for a word from a tall young boy <coughs> that can't even get up on a stool. Lord, don't let me put on flip-flops. Let me put on them, them boots that he talked about. Remind me that there's a war going on and it's after my mind. Help me remember. Help me turn back. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.